0: Welcome to the Know and Love Podcast, where we discuss how to interpret the scriptures for everyday life in order to grow in our devotion to God and His Word. We are your hosts, Adam and Rachel Pereira, and we are so glad that you joined us today.
1: Well, hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Know and Love Podcast. And we are here for episode nine already.
0: Yeah, we're recording this on a beautiful fall morning. Um, The problem with fall, though, I love the beautiful leaves, but it also comes with some pretty nasty allergies for me. So (laughs) if I'm a little quieter in today's episode, it's because I'm holding back a sneezing fit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we are looking out the window, and uh, by the time this uh, goes out. It will be uh, a little bit later in the fall, but the leaves are just now starting to turn. We're looking out the window at a partially turned tree yeah, with some beautiful, beautiful orange leaves.
0: It's gorgeous. It's those neon looking red leaves. I love them.
1: Well, for today's episode, we are looking at... The fourth covenant that we find in the Bible. And we're going to see that we're kind of only up to Exodus. We're already looking at four. It
0: takes us a while to get there.
1: Yeah. If you uh, haven't tuned in before, you can uh, listen in on our look at the previous covenants uh, just quickly by way of of review. Uh, We've looked at the creation covenant, which kind of gives us the goal of creation. Um, And then we looked at God's covenant with Noah kind of gives us the canvas of redemption. And then last episode, we looked at the covenant with Abraham that gives us the framework of redemption um, and how God is going to kind of be working out the promise of of redemption and restoration uh, from the curse of sin.
0: Right, and that's bringing us now to the fourth covenant that we find in Scripture, which we're uh, calling the Covenant with Israel, also sometimes known as the Mosaic Covenant. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, but what would you say the kind of tagline for this one is?
1: Yeah, I kind of struggled a little bit uh, with this one, exactly how to, to, uh, uh, to, to make the tagline. The working tagline, we'll call it that, <laughs> is uh, we're going to see the framework for the people of redemption. So we saw the framework of redemption with how God's going to uh, fulfill uh, the promise of redemption, the framework in which which he's going to do that, which he promised Abraham. And now we're kind of looking at honing in on the people of redemption.
0: Yeah, so how these people would need to uh, live as, as God's specific people in light of the covenant with Abraham.
1: Right. And when we look at the covenant with Israel, We often think of a sort of legalistic, uh, harsh, and maybe even though we probably wouldn't use this word, an unloving Mm -hmm. covenant type feel. Uh, In fact, you know, you kind of hear sometimes this with well, um, some skeptics will say, well, the God of the New Testament, okay, that's a God of love. The God of the Old Testament, well. That's an angry God, and and that is just not biblical at all. Um, In fact, the 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 very essence of the covenant that God makes with the people of Israel—what we're referring to as the covenant with Israel or the Mosaic covenant it is really, it's grounded in God's goodness and his grace. Right, it's that's not really the legalistic nature. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of the term of mm-hmm. somehow earning something from God. Right. Um, the, the, this, this covenant is given by God's grace and his goodness. In fact, it's really, it's filling in, it's bringing uh, to fruition, so to speak, Uh, The Abrahamic Covenant, it's it's tightly connected to the Abrahamic Covenant. So God promises these blessings. How are these blessings going to be realized? Well, God gives the Mosaic Covenant. This is how God's people are to live as his people.
0: Right, I kind of feel like it's putting some meat on the bones of the previous covenant.
1: In fact, uh, we start to see how exactly the covenant with Moses is tied in with the covenant with Abraham, and and a few key passages in the Old Testament. Uh, Rachel, you want to read Exodus 6, verses 3 to 8?
0: Yeah, I've got that. Um, Verse 3 starts with, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name the Lord I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Verse 8 says, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord.
1: So you see pretty clearly the connection of what God promised Abraham in the past, and, and, and in fact, Isaac and Jacob as well and what God is going to do uh, here now in the future as he talks with Moses. So God is going to begin the fulfillment of his promises to Abraham, the covenant he's made with Abraham, and he's going to begin this by bringing his people out of Egypt. Um, In fact, another passage that's a key passage in kind of tying together God's promises to Abraham, and then uh, what he's going to do in this new covenant, um, this, the Mosaic covenant, is in Jeremiah 11, verses 2 to 5. And here, Jeremiah, Jeremiah is uh, he's, uh, speaking to the people of Jerusalem, and he's speaking against them, and he, he's, he's saying, hear the words of this covenant, and he's referring to the Mosaic covenant. And speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Cursed be the man who does not hear the words of this covenant, that I commanded your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Listen to my voice and do all that I commanded you. So you shall be my people and I will be your God. So again, referring to the Mosaic covenant, And then, why were they to obey? Verse 5 says, That I may confirm the oath that I swore to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as at this day, then I answered, So be it, Lord. So, again, we see that they were to follow God's covenant he makes with Israel so that they would enjoy the land that, that they were to be given that stems all the way back to the, to the covenant with Abraham. So, so this covenant, it really shows God's people how they are to live as a people in order to experience the blessings that God has promised stemming back to the covenant with Abraham.
0: It's hard to not notice when you're reading some of these passages, especially that one in Exodus 6. Um, I, I have circled all the times that God says, I... I, I, I. This is something that that he is doing. He is initiating this. And um, I think that pattern is almost a, a trajectory for all of scripture, that this pattern of uh, the story of redemption is something that is initiated by God. And so all of these covenants that we've talked about so far are between uh, a, a representative of mankind and God. And God is the one that's I mean, we'll talk more about this later, but God is the one that is going to keep pushing this story, this uh, redemption forward. And I just think that's a, that's a really interesting thing to to point out.
1: yeah, it it, it surely is. And again, it's it's all in, uh, founded upon God's grace and his his undeserved goodness, right. Um, and, and, and so so that's the basis of this covenant. As we read in Jeremiah, you know, there are stipulations that God's people are to live by, but that's not where it all starts. Mm -hmm. You know, God just doesn't come out of nowhere and and tell these people, um, obey me. Uh, The basis of God's covenant he makes with Israel is based in his redemption of them, his bringing them to himself. In fact, in Exodus 19, uh, before God gives the Ten Commandments to Israel. He says to them in Exodus nineteen four 4-6, "...you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I," going back to what you said, "...I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine." And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So the, the whole uh, context for God giving this covenant that does have obligations uh, by the people is you have seen, I've brought you to myself. I bore you on eagle's wings. Even
0: at the beginning of chapter 20, when he gets into the, the Ten Commandments, it says, And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Again, it's just the, the basis for for the people's obedience and then even our obedience is always grounded in God's initiation first.
1: Yeah, and and uh, and it's the, the same is true of us today. A lot of times we read scripture scripture, and, and we think we just have, okay, the Bible's just a bunch of rules. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, uh, but all of those responses we are to have, or the the way we are to live as Christians, that that is all in the context of what God has done for us through Christ. Uh, and, and we see here the context for an obedient response to God uh, here in Exodus is what God did for the people. He has brought them out of slavery. He's redeemed them to himself. Um, We even see this relational idea um, in Exodus 4 and verse 22 to 23. Before God ever um, delivers the people out, he tells Moses to say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve you. This is, this is a kind of covenant language that, that Israel is a son to God. And uh, as we look at kind of the covenant relationship in this covenant, so this new covenant we come across in the Bible... Um, Who who does it involve? It involves God, and it involves his son. His son is Israel.
0: Right, well, that kind of answers the next question I was going to ask, because we've kind of um, been going through the same pattern with all these covenants and saying, okay, so this covenant is obviously between God and who else? And so we've kind of given this two names, of course, the covenant with Israel and then the Mosaic covenant. So, you know, the question is, is this between God and a group of people, Israel, or is this between God and Moses? How would you... Yeah, uh, Moses. Specifically?
1: Yeah, good question. Moses was, of course, he was the leader of of, of Israel, um, but he was also a part of Israel. This covenant is given to Israel as a people group. You remember that God promised, and again, going back to the Abrahamic covenant, God promised He would make a nation from Abraham mm-hmm. from his offspring, and here we see it. In fact, uh, when God cut the covenant with With uh, Abraham in Genesis 15, he even said, your uh, people, your descendants are going to be in in the land of Egypt for 400 years, and then I will bring them out. So while they were in Egypt, they multiplied, Exodus 1 talks about that, and they became this, this great multitude of people, and now God is forming them into his own people, into a nation. And um, so Moses—it's called the Mosaic Covenant because Moses kind of stands as a mediator right. between God and the people. So Moses, or God, gives Moses uh, the commands of the law, and then Moses uh, delivers that to the people. Um, so, so what God's doing here is He is forming Israel as a nation, as as a people group. Um, so what happens in the Mosaic Covenant is is this multitude of people, they become a nation, a group of people under God's law, in God's land. Uh, again, you see you see the 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 uh, references going back to the Abrahamic Covenant. Now they're a nation. They're going to be in a land, and they are going to be given. God's instructions. This is how you are to live as my people in my land right. that I'm giving.
0: And and how to receive that, that blessing of relationship with him. I love, in reference to this, I've always loved Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 8. I'm going to read it. Um, it says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, again, kind of referring back to those other covenants, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. I just love this because it points again to to God's grace in all of this, that this isn't because there was anything uh, extra special about these people, but because he set his love on them that he was going to redeem them out of this um, physical slavery, and then ultimately out of the the spiritual slavery um, through Jesus way down the road.
1: Right, exactly. And Israel here, it's it's important to to realize when we look at the covenant relationship that that we've been talking about between God and Israel uh, now, as he makes this covenant with them, Uh, Israel now, as we kind of trace the storyline of the Bible, is viewed... As a new Adam, as, as a new representative uh, to, to bring blessing. And uh, we referenced Exodus 4, to 23, where, uh, God, where, where a God tells Moses, tell Pharaoh, let my son go, my firstborn son. Well, this has the idea going all the way back to Genesis that, that Adam was God's son. And Genesis 5, verse 3, it talks about that when Adam gave birth to, to Seth, that Adam gave birth to uh, uh, someone made in his image, in his likeness, it was his son. Mm-hmm. And that immediately ties us back when, it, when God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So when God uh, ha- makes this creation covenant with Adam, there's that son creator-father relationship, and uh, Noah is pictured as a, a, a new Adam, we talked about that, uh, with, you know, the image of God is mentioned there in Genesis 9, and, and that idea of sonship, and then we come to Abraham, and and he's viewed, we talked about, as another Adam, that um the curses are, are going to, to begin to be reversed through these promises that God gives, gives Abraham, and he's promised descendants. And, and now Israel is pictured as a new Adam. And, and uh, the nation of Israel, almost this kind of new uh, people group, this new humanity that are to be image bearers for God, uh, so we, we see this continued progression in the storyline, and, and like the passage in Deuteronomy that you read, uh, it is God's uh, divine choosing of them. They weren't deserving of this, just like Abraham wasn't. He was an idolater. Uh, but God chooses them, and uh, and then we get to Exodus 24 in, 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 in the Bible, and we see that God, um, he formally enters into covenant with the people.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting to notice a little bit of a pattern here that jumps out at me is that when we were talking about uh, Abraham and the covenant God made with him, uh, God kind of talks about some of the elements of the covenant with him uh, before he officially cuts that covenant with him. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, chapter 12 kind of discussed some of the themes, but then it wasn't until we got a couple chapters later that then it kind of is ratified. It's official. And, and don't we kind of see a similar pattern? Pattern here, I mean, in chapter twenty, of course, we have the ten commandments. But then the following chapters are some really specific laws and requirements of the people. Before we get to chapter twenty-four, where it's kind of officially uh, ratified,
1: right? Yeah, God before
0: it's signed on the dotted line, so to speak. Yep,
1: <laughs> yep. God declares, um, God declares His law, and Moses delivers that to the people. And then when you get to, to Exodus twenty-four and verse three. It says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So, so Israel is saying, we agree sort of uh, to the terms of this covenant. And um, verse four, Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain And 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. So he reads the, 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 the covenant, the law. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. So it's pretty clear here. They're saying, we agree to this covenant. We want to enter into this special relationship with our God. Mm-hmm. And it says, Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So, so half of the blood is put on the altar, kind of like this is uh, sprinkling, um, this is God's side of the equation, so to speak. And then the other half, when the people agree to the covenant, is sprinkled on them. So you see this covenant being, uh, being sealed with blood, with these sacrifices. And, and then verse 9, Moses, uh, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel... Um, and then it goes on in verse eleven. It says um, they beheld God and ate and drank. So this covenant was sealed with kind of a fellowship meal, and uh, you know it kind of kind of denotes or or it shows kind of this fellowship now that God would have with His people. Right, so, this
0: communion that He has with them. Yeah. <clears throat> so
1: we see this is the point where God enters into. Uh, and the people enter, enter into a formal covenant relationship uh, with God, the people with God, God with the people. Um, and uh, then going on from that, we see the, the outworking of this new covenant relationship that's been made.
0: So the people are agreeing to this and saying, we're going to obey, but uh, what, what would we say that, the, that they're agreeing to? What are the obligations of this covenant?
1: Right. There's definite obligations here. And um, we talked with the Abrahamic covenant that there were definite unconditional um, aspects to the Abrahamic covenant that God was going to fulfill this covenant no matter what. We did see, too, though, that that Abraham, uh, God says, walk before me, uh, be blameless, um, and, and he told the, the, his descendants as well that to experience the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, they needed to be walking um, according to God's ways. And uh, here in this covenant, we have with these obligations, it's spelled out even clearer that um, for now this na- the nation of Israel, not just a, a multitude of people, but a nation that constitutes God's kingdom on earth that they are to walk according to these laws in order to experience God's blessings, which again are really um, the Abrahamic covenant coming into reality. Um, so the law is really summarized in the Ten Commandments that we see in Exodus 20. So there's, there's a lot of laws and regulations given Outside of the Ten Commandments, but those Ten Commandments serve as the hub of which everything else flows out of.
0: Right, and and weren't those obligations even uh, kind of repeated later in Deuteronomy to kind of a, a a new group of people?
1: Yeah, Deuteronomy fifteen verses seven to twenty one, uh, Moses repeats the Ten Commandments uh, to the to the new generation that's that's going to actually be entering the Promised Land. And uh, th- there's a, a, a repetition of the Ten Commandments that this is the covenant that, that, w- that we are under as God's people, and, and Moses is being sure the next generation knows of this.
0: Right, and Le- Leviticus 18, too, says that, you know, you shall therefore keep my statues and my rules if you do them and you live by them. Um, then I, I am the Lord. Kind of that idea of live by these covenant obligations in order to have these covenant blessings. Kind of the two sides of that working together. Um, do you think that the the people? I mean, man, there's a there's a lot of things to uphold here. It kind of seems a little bit impossible. Like it kind of feels like, man, is this is this even something that the people could? Hold to, even though they promised they would.
1: Right, and and we're we're going to talk in more detail when we get to the new covenant that that is made. Uh, one of the problems with uh, with the covenant that God makes uh, with the people, um, not that there's a problem with the covenant, but one of the shortcomings that that the people have is that though they were all together, they were God's nation. Uh, they were a part of the nation of Israel, uh, many of them had disobedient hearts. Uh, they 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 weren't truly following after God. They weren't trusting in the promises of God. And um, as a nation, they could never uh, carry out the obligations of this law.
0: So you could say there's not a problem with the covenant. There's a Problem with the people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Again, that, that sin in the heart issue. That's always messing everything up.
1: Yes, and, and that and and that's why Paul says later that not everyone, um, not everyone who says they are of Israel are truly Israel. Uh, because you know, following God is something that stems from the heart, from a regenerate heart that that is that is seeking after God. That God has done a work in that heart. And, uh, you know, when you get to, to Deuteronomy 27 and 28, uh, there's, there's this interesting scenario we read about of blessings and cursings mm-hmm. that um, God tells Moses to instruct the people that when, when they do get to, they cross the Jordan River and get to the promised land, that half of the, the tribes are to stand, uh, stand on Mount Ebal. And half are to stand on Mount Gerizim. And Mount Gerizim is kind of the, the mountain of, of blessing, so to speak. And Mount Ebel is this mountain of cursing. And the Levites were to declare that if you do these things, you will be cursed as a nation. That God's curses are going to come upon you for not keeping this covenant. And the people were to say amen. And and then there was uh, to be the group on Mount Gerizim that God says, if you follow me, if you do these things, then you will have blessing. You'll experience the blessings um, uh, of the covenant that I'm making with you. And and uh, the people were to, to say amen and represent the blessings. But there's kind of this, there is, when you get to Deuteronomy 27 and 28, there's like a, a small section talking about the blessings, and just uh, Moses is really expounding upon the curses. And, and it's almost as if um, we're, we're getting a precursor before we ever uh, continue to read about Israel living in the promised land, that, whoa, there's going to be some real problems here. There's, uh, the nation is going to struggle in their obedience to God.
0: Yeah, there's almost this feeling of kind of impossibility or uh, kind of a despair, like there's really no hope here. It's funny when you think about some of the other covenants that we've talked about, even though we know that there's sin in the heart of man there as you're reading along there's this feeling of like okay so there's this new covenant with Noah maybe this one's going to stick and then a new one with Abraham oh this sounds encouraging and then you get to this one <laughs> it's just by this point listen there is no hope of you of you people being able to perfectly fulfill this covenant <laughs> like let's just lay it out on the, all on the line here <laughs> this is hopeless <laughs>
1: yeah we we see we see uh a, we see a lot of promise and 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 with Noah I'm not going to destroy the, uh, the, the, the the earth with a flood. Um, my plan of redemption is going to come out. There's that hope with Abraham that um, God is going to uh, fulfill his promises to Abraham. Um, but but then we get to this one, and, and this one is really heavy. That um, I mean, in Deuteronomy 31 and 19 and following, uh, Moses says... Uh, uh, hear this song. This is a witness against the people that the people aren't going to follow through on their covenant commitments. Um, and when we get to the end of Joshua, when Joshua is about to die, um, he says that they're to serve, to choose who they're going to serve. And and the people say that they want to serve the Lord. And then in verse nineteen, he says, "You're not able to serve the Lord, for He's a holy God." <laughs> and the people, you know, they 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 still they want to commit. To, God's, uh, to follow God. In verse 22, he says, "Your are witnesses against yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's kind of this aura of despair kind of attached to um, the people that they simply aren't going to be walking in obedience to, to this covenant that God makes with them.
0: So this can't be a permanent solution to the problem then?
1: No, it? there's a very temporary feel to this covenant God makes uh, with Israel. Now, uh, with, the, with, with uh, the creation covenant, of course, that's giving us the full trajectory of, of God's plan for his creation. There's permanence. With the covenant uh, with Noah, uh, which really is reestablishing the covenant he's already made in Genesis, um, there's the there's the uh, 100% feel of permanence. God is going to preserve his creation until the plan of redemption is complete. With the, with the covenant with Abraham, there is the, the promises there, and there is permanence. This is what God's going to do. With the Mosaic covenant, it's very different. It, this is temporary. In fact, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 6 God says, I, there's going to come a day where I am going to circumcise your hearts. Why? Because the people as a whole, the nation as a whole, their hearts were uncircumcised. They could not follow God because their hearts were uncircumcised, the nation as a whole. Now, again, there were true... Uh, believers, so to speak, if we're to use a New Testament term to refer to the Old Testament, that truly followed after God. They were truly His people. But the nation as a whole um, was characterized by an uncircumcision of their heart, and that there would have to be something new to take place if God was truly going to fulfill the promises he made with Abraham.
0: Right. Doesn't Jeremiah even talk about that later on, as far as there being a promise of a, of a new covenant, of those hearts of stone being, being given new hearts?
1: Yeah. Jeremiah 31 <laughs> verses 31 to 34 um, talks about this new covenant that God's going to establish. It's not going to be like the old covenant written on stones. No, this is going to be written on the heart. Mm
0: -hmm. It kind of gives you echoes of uh, Genesis 3.15. Uh, You read all of these cursings and you feel this heaviness and this despair of like, oh man, it's over. <laughs> but then every once in a while, you do catch these glimpses of hope that like we we're talking about at the beginning, God is the author of this entire story. He is continuing to move the story forward um, to that ultimate goal of, of redemption and relationship with his people. All hope is not lost, uh, even though there's not a lot of hope in the heart of man at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's why when you read the prophets, you read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Um, you uh, the majority of the prophets there. There's that mix of God is bringing judgment because you have not uh, fulfilled His covenant He made with you on Mount Sinai. Uh, but then mixed with that is hope. But God is going to restore. He's going to redeem. There will be a remnant. Um, there will be restoration. Um, And and really, the the temporary nature of this Mosaic covenant, um, the New Testament even tells us that the law, it it, it served to expose our sin and to point us to Christ. Because we can't follow God's laws uh, perfectly. We can't, in and of ourselves, Um, We can't be obedient to God. It points us to Jesus, who is the perfect image bearer uh, um, for God.
0: That perfect son. Yes, the perfect son.
1: And that's why Romans 5.20 says, Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So the law ultimately serves to point us to Christ, it's really to bring cool to, us to him. To
0: see those glimpses of the gospel, even in such kind of heavy sections of scripture is, yeah. is really beautiful. Um, so as far as the details of the covenant, just a little bit further, some of the others we've talked about have had a sign... Uh, we thought about uh, the rainbow, of course, in the, the Noahic covenant. Um, circumcision was the last one we talked about with the covenant with Abraham. Uh, what would you say, is there a sign with this covenant?
1: Yes, there is a sign um, that God gives uh, Israel um, regarding the, the, the Mosaic covenant or the covenant with Israel, and that is the sign of the Sabbath. Hmm. In fact, in... In uh, Exodus 31, verses 13 to 17, we read about that. Uh, God says, you're to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Therefore, the the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed.
0: So how many times can you say the word Sabbath?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it starts to be a tongue twister.
0: So you see kind of flashbacks then to uh, creation, like how, how does this tie in together?
1: Yeah, the, the, this covenant sign of of observing the Sabbath day, it, uh, it shows us here, and in Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, when God gives the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments, um, the Sabbath is grounded in creation. Um, and we haven't really had a whole lot of time to unpack the Sabbath in creation, but just in a nutshell, uh, the Sabbath, the seventh day, was, was um, it was a description of God entering into a relationship of rest with his people, that God had, a, had created his world. Uh, uh, he had created his cosmic temple, this world um, where his presence was to dwell, specifically the garden uh, where he would dwell. He, he established himself. He rested in covenant relationship with Adam, and Adam was to enjoy this relationship of rest with God and carry out the um, the, uh, the commands that he gave him to be his image bearer, to be fruitful, to multiply, to, to fill the earth with God's glory, with, with uh, obedient image bearers. Um, so this was an active rest of relationship with God. And uh, so the, 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 this mention of the Sabbath, really what it does is it, it's grounded in creation. It is meant to remind the people that there is a rest that is to be experienced with God, that is designed by God uh, in covenant relationship with him.
0: But of course, that rest was It was broken broken. with sin,
1: yes. (laughs) And uh, and it's interesting, Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 to 16, uh, God is repeating, uh, and Moses is repeating for the people um, that they are to observe Sabbath rest. And... In that passage, the Sabbath is grounded in redemption, that they are to observe God's Sabbath because it is God who has redeemed them out of Egypt. So we see there a grounding in creation and a grounding in redemption. And uh, so what the Sabbath, the, the function of the Sabbath rest for Israel was both a looking backward at um the covenant relationship rest that God enjoyed with Adam that was lost. And it's also looking forward to um, the restoration of that rest when when God's plan of redemption uh, is fulfilled. So it's both a looking backward at what God has designed, and it's a looking forward at what God uh, has planned. And, And we see throughout Uh, the Old Testament, that God's rest, this covenant rest, was tasted by the people. As they were obedient to God, uh, God promises them, you will be successful, you will have rest in the land that I'm giving you. In fact, when, uh, when David becomes king, it says that that the, uh, he had rest from his enemies. He was secure in the land. The nation was secure in the land uh, under Solomon. It says that that there was rest. That there was that there was rest from the enemies. There was uh, there was um, they were secure in the land. So this rest was tasted. But again, as Israel failed to uphold their obligations. Before God, as stated in the Mosaic Covenant, that rest was was being lost. So we, they're still waiting, and we're still waiting for that fullness of rest that's found only in Jesus. And Hebrews talks about that,
0: right? And and that rest that will ultimately come when Jesus comes back will be finally that permanent rest, yeah. kind of restoring in, what was lost in the, yeah. in the garden.
1: Yes, in God's land, the, the the new the new earth, the new heavens, the new earth.
0: Yeah, it's a really cool theme, isn't it? It's yeah. It's really cool to explore. could do a
1: whole other episode on on Sabbath rest and what it, what it yeah, means. Yeah, or,
0: or we could put a link into your sermon series that you did at church.
1: <laughs> yeah, which uh, which um, I, I greatly owe a lot of these insights to to a friend in my cohort um, at seminary that we worked on our our doctorate together.
0: We'll put, maybe we'll
1: yeah, reference I don't know.
0: him too. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Um, so let's wrap up this this um, covenant just by kind of talking like we have with the others, how this helps us in our um, reading of Scripture, how we can see this um, progressing the story of redemption throughout Scripture. Like we mentioned, we're only um, hanging out here in the first couple books of all of Scripture, but this does set up our understanding of themes for for the rest of um, our Bible reading. So, uh, what kind of progressions do we see with this covenant?
1: Well, as we, as we tried to point out, we're really starting to see, um, the, the kind of like what you said, the, the meat on the bones of the Abrahamic covenant. We're seeing God fulfill his promises to Moses and, and, uh, the means for his people to start to see this fulfillment is through this covenant he makes with them and their obedience to this covenant. So God promised Abraham seed. He promised them land, He promised them, uh, He promised universal blessing would come through Abraham. So we start to see Israel, the seed has multiplied. They're a nation. God is saying, I'm going to bring you into this land, and here's how you are to live in this land. Um, and um, this idea of universal blessing, that in Exodus 19, and verses 5 and 6, um, we see that, that uh, the people are to be a treasured possession among all the peoples. They are to be a kingdom of priests. So we see kind of that image-bearer language, that they are to be a, have a priestly, kingly role uh, in representing God to all of the pagan nations, and it's, it was through this representation of God and this relationship they had with God that universal blessing was to come. So really, the Mosaic Covenant lays out for, uh, for the people how to live as God's special people and, and therefore experience the promises of the Abrahamic Covenant.
0: Right. And we've also explained, I I hope in this episode too, the tie-ins with even all the way back to the creation covenant. You know, we've talked a lot about the sonship and the image bearers, um, the rest of Eden. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add on on that kind of theme?
1: Yeah. Just remembering God's plan, it's continuing to progress. It does not change. So there is Connection to the Abrahamic promise, but like you said, uh, really the full connection goes all the way back to the creation covenant, and we we just we continue as these covenants play out to see the furtherance of these themes we're looking at: image bearers, um, uh, Eden. Lo- Eden is lost, and now God is bringing His people into sort of a new Eden. Uh, we see that. In this new promised land that God is giving the people, just as God dwelt uh, personally with Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve, uh, now he is uh, under the, the covenant with uh, Israel. He's saying, I am going to dwell with you in this promised land. You will be my God. I will be your people. He gives them instruction. Uh, we see kind of the temple theme that just as the Garden of Eden was was kind of a, a temple where God dwelt with Adam. Uh, uh, God says, you are going to build for me a tabernacle, and I'm going to dwell in that tabernacle, and, and, and I will, will walk among you, I'll be among you. So we see all of these themes that stem from creation continue uh, to play themselves out as the story of the Bible unfolds.
0: And the beauty of Scripture, too, is like we mentioned in a previous episode, we are kind of just doing a, a flyover of all of these and just kind of touching on some of these themes. I mean, there at the end, you mentioned the temple and the tabernacle. I mean, we really didn't even barely touch on that in our discussion today. That could that could be a whole nother discussion for another day. So um, I, I hope as you're listening, you're getting a taste of just the Honestly, just the beauty of scripture and how it ties in together and how this uh, one author, God, um, uses these human authors to weave together these themes of of who God is and his character. And I hope that in your own personal Bible reading that you are starting to to notice some of these things, some of these things come to life. So um, we, uh, today we're on number four. We have two more to go.
1: That's right. <laughs> so
0: what's next in the, the upcoming episodes?
1: Next episode, we are going to look at the next covenant uh, that Scripture lays out for us, and that is the covenant God makes with David. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna tie in the what's called the Davidic covenant with what has preceded uh, in the previous covenants and what is to come after it. As we look uh, then the next episode at the final covenant, the new covenant that God makes, and and what that means. Uh, for God's people. So until we get there, uh, next week, may you be filled with the love and peace of Christ.
0: You've been listening to the Know and Love podcast with Adam and Rachel Pereira. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on any of the apps that you use for your podcast listening, like iTunes or Spotify. That way, when the next episode drops, you'll be able to have it automatically on your device. Also, make sure to contact us with any questions or feedback on our website, knowandlovepodcast.com. We love hearing from you because it helps us shape the direction and the content of any future episodes.